Hello everyone and you're very welcome back to episode 6 of uh, F&I Rap Chat with myself Paul Butler-Lennox and myself Paul Webster. Yeah, so this is a special extra midweek bonus uh, episode. We were down at the Kerry Film Festival this weekend um, and we got to do a lot of networking. We, we had an event, a uh, speed networking thing that went really well and we also got to sit, sit down with a really interesting panel of people who were at the doc, at the festival, so we had um, producer from America, Maura Kelly, we had uh, producer and writer Annie McDermott, whose film Lies We Tell uh, closed the festival on Saturday night, and uh, we also had the wonderful documentarian Alex Vegan. Yeah, you might know Alex from uh, some of his previous work, the Irish pub film and uh, <clears throat> um, Alden Ireland, some really fantastic work. Yeah, we were very lucky to chat to them um, and uh, to be down with, with the guys in Kerry. It's a really wonderfully run uh, festival. Yeah, um, and we went to the award ceremony on Saturday night and... Uh, Really good buzz there. A lot of the filmmakers who won awards were there. It's always nice when that happens. Um, ben Cleary's film Wave uh, won Best Irish Narrative. And they also had a really cool new competition um, called My Name Is, which is in association with a, a company called Storystock, who uh, try and sell people's stories and get money for them. So if you're uh, a filmmaker and you have um, stories that you want to tell, visit their website, Storystock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we'd also like to take a moment just to thank our sponsors, uh, Westland Studios, uh, who've been really, really fantastic with us um, in providing a studio space for our regular podcasts. Um, and you should really go and, and check out their website at www.westlandstudiosdublin.com. And uh, Alwyn there will look after you for all your post audio and music needs and sound recording needs. Yeah, so uh, we'll give you this really interesting conversation uh, with different uh, producers and, and directors. Um, so, yeah, we hope you enjoy. to uh, a very special episode of Rap Chat for, for Film Network Ireland and we are we're in Kerry Show uh, which is lovely but uh, it's quite rainy today but that can't be helped um, yeah, we're very lucky Store Brian came in this morning but uh, we braved it down in the car and it was actually it was actually okay how, how did you guys fare out with the weather so far this weekend? it was wet I drove down from um, Dublin yesterday and it was uh, already showing its teeth okay so Yes, I was here for Ophelia, so I think um, that was interesting to watch. Luckily, we have a house here, so I was able to look out from the warmth of the kitchen. And with Brian, it's just taking a little bit of taxis. Yeah, going carefully. So we're very lucky. We're uh, we're joined by uh, Alex uh, Alex Fegan, a director uh, of documentary. Um, uh, you might know him from some of his previous work, The Irish Pub and uh, Older Than Ireland. Uh, we're also joined by Maura Kelly um, and uh, uh, producer Andy McDermott of The Lies We Tell featuring uh, Gabriel Bourne. Uh, you're very welcome along to the podcast. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, sir, well, Andy, maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, the closing film, Lies We Tell, um, your part in it and how it came to be. 
Oh, it came to be about 12 years ago we first started working on the script. Um, the director had some ideas for a script but no intention to make it. Um, and we brought in, uh, he'd got some story ideas, uh, and I brought in another screenwriter, a guy called Ewan Glass, who's a, an Irish writer. And, uh, and we turned it into a script that we thought somebody else would make. Um, uh, and I was a screenwriter and ultimately producer as well. Uh, and through a, a series of pushes and pulls, people said that we had to make it ourselves rather than hand it to somebody else. So really the film, the film shouted to be made. Cool. Um, and then, uh, Alex, uh, could you tell us a bit about your involvement in the festival here and your experience so far? Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm from Dublin but uh, married a Kerry lady and uh, she dragged me down to the kingdom. And, uh, so you're blowing. Yeah, I'm a total blowing. Yeah, that's uh, uh, it's appropriate. I'm still trying to uh, kind of understand the language but I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to blend in now like a chameleon. Yeah. Uh, just say the tall after everything you need to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, just, you know, I got, got involved with the Kerry Film Festival, they asked me would I be interested in getting involved, so obviously anything to do with film, I said absolutely, and that's why I'm here. Lovely, on your doorstep too, fantastic. Uh, Maura, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you uh, came to be involved in the festival overall. Yes, this is the first time I've been at the Kerry Film Festival, I've heard about it, I heard about it in New York, and I heard it was an up-and-coming festival, so it was on my radar screen. I was interested in connecting with some of the folks and through networking and friends of friends. Um, I, I met Maeve, the artistic director, last summer. But then we had an instant connection because I'm originally from Killarney. Our family's been here for hundreds of years, so we are not blow-ins. <laughs> but we did blow out to New York. Yeah. Obviously, my American accent, I left when I was seven. My family emigrated. And, um, but luckily, my parents maintained a house here, so we have a house nearby. So when the invite came to be a judge for the panel, and to uh, a judge for the festival, and to be on the panel, I jumped at it to really sort of um, be able to meet more, more filmmakers here in, in my hometown, so it's quite special. Okay. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Um, um, uh, just in relation to film, just for people who, are, who wouldn't be aware of your previous work? Or... Yeah, it's film and television. I really, I really work in all media now, and I think I'm, I'm starting to look at virtual reality, and I'm looking even at AI for a client. So mm -hmm. I think in this business you really have to go with the, where the money is. <laughs> um, so there's money in VR, there's money in certain areas. Um, but film and television, uh, yeah, I started working... Uh, on commercials in, in Manhattan. I worked at the UN uh, and doing a lot of um, sort of helping filmmakers there organize their work. So I got a real global perspective when I was starting out, which was really helpful. Um, went back to do a master's so that I could really get into internships and, and get sort of an apprenticeship mm -hmm. to get some real immersive experience. Went to Wall Street um, to do corporate video because they had a lot of money. And then networked my way to PBS, uh, where I worked there for over 15 years, really honing my skills, going from producer to scene, executive producer. So I, I was also on the buy side. We would, um, we would buy and commission programs, so people would come and pitch, and we decide what we wanted to invest in. And then since I left PBS, I'm also then on the seller, because mm. I work with independent producers who do film and TV, and we will do pilots for programs, and we will then pitch. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be uh, know the buyer and the seller um, 
point of view. Fantastic. Is there anything that really jumped out at you, or do you see, uh, particularly in this festival, was there any piece of work or um, filmmakers, generally speaking, that were, that were festival highlights for you, um, on a personal level, but not, not necessarily on a professional level in terms of moving forward? Yeah, I've, I've seen a handful, maybe half a dozen, maybe seven or, or eight, um, and I'm, I was really impressed with the caliber of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the festival does attract an international clientele, so you do get really good work from all over. Um, I particularly like The Crest, which was the opening feature, okay. because, again, it had a very um, interesting take on an Irish tradition and the, the Blasket Islands and the, the two surfer dudes from California and from Cape Cod kind of brought it up to current day. But then they went and to find their great-great-grandfather, the High King of the Blasket Islands. So I thought it was very interesting, where they they really brought uh, they brought in a contemporary. You could bring in a contemporary audience to that story very easily, and it's kind of the universal story. Looking to retrace your roots and find find your heritage. So I thought it was a very smart, well done film with very appealing characters. Okay. Alex, any highlights so far? Uh, yeah, Song of Granite obviously is fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what lies we tell. Uh, and obviously all the Irish shorts that are playing in a half an hour. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to see those as well. Uh, and Andy, could you, your film is closing the festival. Uh, the, the plot sound, sounds amazing. Could you just tell us about, um, just if you could give us the plot and kind of how you pitched that, and how, how um, you kind of sold the film. <clears throat> we we took elements that were relevant to the people that we were pitching um, because the plot is uh, it's not a linear story it's not a linear story um, and it's not really about one particular character um, so the story is of uh, it's a wealthy businessman who has a very uh, that's Harvey Cartel who has a very uh, loyal driver um, played by Gabriel Byrne uh, Gabriel doesn't approve of all of his boss's extramarital activity. Mm. Uh, when his boss dies, he leaves very strict instructions for uh, for his driver to clear up any evidence of his um, of his affairs to protect his wife and protect his family. Uh, Gabriel thinks he'll do that, clear up, um, inform the mistress, and then he's out there, uh, and it doesn't quite go that smoothly. Uh, and he ends up being drawn into um, Amber is a, a, a Pakistani Muslim from Bradford and he ends up being drawn into her world uh, unwittingly but eventually they develop a really strong friendship um, and he needs to save her and her sister from from what could be um, yeah it's quite long isn't it but that's, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's really interesting, interesting. <laughs> I can't wait to see it later and with the cast like that uh, it's it's very appealing Could you tell us a little bit about how we got Harry Patel and Gabriel Byrne um, yeah we went to a, went to a big London casting agent because we had really high hopes and we um, first time director and you, you, you set your you set your wish list as you set it high because yeah. there's you've had no knockbacks or failures in the past so there's no to tell you that you can't go high. Um, we went to a very big uh, casting agent who we knew had all the contacts, and they told us that we couldn't look at the first three or four pages of the book. 
and they, you know, you're not important enough to see those people. Um, so we said thank you very much for the coffee, and we left, and then we just sat there with Google is your friend, uh, IMDb Pro, looked at who we wanted, took pictures of them off the internet, printed them out, and then rang their agents up. Um, which is unorthodox, but it, it worked for us, yes. and that's how we did it. Um, and say, after uh, this reading today, like for other people who, who want to see the film, um, what's the future for the film, and how would people be able to see uh, The future for, uh, for certain is UK and uh, US release on the 2nd of February. Great. We are literally just this morning have signed with um, uh, new sales agents. Uh, who are going to push for other territories there at AFM next week, the American film market in Santa Monica next week, pushing for um, simultaneous release. And then there is a, a blackout period before it comes out, and I think the DVD release will be, uh, the DVD and, uh, and VOD on demand, the digital on demand release will be um, 2nd of April, I believe that is. Uh, but we've already pre sold it quite a lot, and um, and we know Sky have taken it, so we know it's a, Sky have already said, yep, we like it, so uh, it will be available. Brilliant. Okay, okay well, um, so I'll ask this to all of you, but when you start with you, Alex, um, how important are film festivals for filmmakers up, up and coming, uh, say in the digital age, do they still have, have what's their place now? Uh, look, as, as you know, like, uh, it's, it's a very collaborative industry. Um, so it's all about meeting people, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, say, say like you go in, watch the shorts, you see actors that you might not have known, you see up-and-coming people, you meet up-and-coming directors and established directors that you always wanted to meet. Uh, so I think from that point of view, it's really important. Like, it just, you know, I'm based in Kerry, and uh, to have all you guys down here in the kingdom <laughs> on this beautiful day uh, you know it's great and uh, you know so from that point of view I think it's really important yeah. and more yeah just the same question just about the importance of festivals and how you would advise filmmakers to approach uh, film festivals and how, how they can get the most out of them yeah I think they're very important to, you know to get out in the marketplace and to meet people um, I think what producers need to do is put a line item in their budget for film festivals to make don't definitely, forget about it definitely yeah. And to mar- to go in there having sort of a marketing budget as well because you create it, but you have to sell it and get it out there, and that's equally as important. So when you're raising money, don't forget that. And then also deliverables because a lot of times the film festivals, there's you have to send DCPs and you have to send different formats and you have to there's fee and there's this entry fee. So budget it because mm. then when you budget it, then you know it's coming, and then you can plan it, and then yeah. pick the festivals that you think have. They don't need to be the biggest festivals, but the ones that you think your film will have a good shot at standing out, you know? Like the Carrie Film Festival. There's lots of lovely festivals out there. Everybody can't get into Sundance, you know? You can't yeah. go to South by Southwest, just to forget it. But go into smaller ones that are a little bit more niche, um, and you have a better chance, and then start building and making the connections. Mm-hmm. But it's very important, and you want feedback. And just getting into a festival, you can put that on your website and just say, like, you got in, your official entry. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, there's all stepping stones. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal then is to obviously get a sales agent out of it, or a distributor, which could happen. Um, but yeah, make it part of your plan. Yeah, any, any advice for filmmakers? Um, advice. Oh, I was, I was always to answer the last question. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> in regards to festivals, I think that, I think they're very important. Yeah. Um, we've just uh, in the last couple of weeks we've just done um, 
Australia and India, two big festivals, Australia and India. Uh, and in reality, they're probably places that we won't get uh, ultimately get a theatrical release um, because it, it doesn't fit there. But by getting news coverage there, that will help the digital sales. So I think it will help carry the, the, the message of the film into territories that you might not get a theatrical release. Um, but actually, it's just nice to be amongst nice. You know, I had a dreadful drive down from from Dublin in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, I got splashed walking from the hotel here last night, <laughs> uh, and Maeve I've not met before. Welcome to Ireland. Director, she she just met me with a warmest smile and a big hug, and I dried out immediately. And it's and you kind of feel safe. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. you, you, you're putting your baby on display for the for people to see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and even though people might give you constructive criticism, they're probably not going to hurt you. You know, it's not not as much as the as a Daily Mail review or a Guardian review might do. Mm-hmm. We hope. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nice to go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'll just ask a general question. You can jump in there just about the state, uh, the, the state of the Irish film industry uh, as you see it now. Um, do you think it's in a healthy place? Um, is there in, like I bring you guys in afterwards, maybe? Um, just Alex from your uh, perspective. Um, do you think that? Um, there's more interesting work. With the, there's a lot of new initiatives coming from the Irish Film Board at the moment. Um, they seem to be investing in a lot of um, genre work. Um, uh, David Frayne, for example, with the with the Cured as well. Um, smaller independent-led oriented genre pictures seem to be. Uh, the Film Board seem to be taking more of a chance on on on, on bigger uh, uh, bigger themed genre projects. Uh, do you think that? Um, it's important that that continues. Do you think that the general state of the Irish uh, film market is in a good place, or have you seen? Uh, are you encouraged by what you've been seeing over the last kind of year, two years? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like I think you know, you see, you know, even totally independent films like Cardboard Gangsters, like yeah. uh, Young Offenders, and you see uh, the impact they've had on box office in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that Irish audiences are keen to see Irish stories yeah. <clears throat> and it's not just at home it's also abroad uh, like we did a lot of travelling around the states and um, and you see that you know I- Irish diaspora and not only I- Irish but um, you know uh, uh, local audiences are interested to see these stories and so um, you know uh, you know we're all we're all islands in a way mm-hmm. um, and yeah. we're all off doing our own thing so it's hard to kind of See yourself as part of a collective ever, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. but definitely there seems to it seems to you know there de- definitely seems to be a bit of a positive vibe. Yeah, there seems to be a shift towards bigger kind of concept projects. I think now, which is healthy for all of us, mm. you know, because I guess a lot of Irish filmmakers are taught, and it's, I'd imagine it's the same in the UK. You kind of, especially for younger filmmakers, which is what this podcast is all about, is to reach as, as many young people as possible and have the chats. That, with you that these guys would like to have themselves directly with you. Um, I mean, um, filmmakers are told to write what they know, keep it, uh, keep it in their own world, um, and that's, that's, I guess that's fine to a point, but should young filmmakers be writing bigger projects to reach a wider audience in smaller countries, you reckon? Well, I think it's you know it's it's always important to perfect your craft. So if it's big or small, it's just to try and do the work and create yeah. and develop a community of like-minded people who you will work with. You know, it's very 
it's a very clicky industry in a way. People work with the same people for years sometimes. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you want to find that community of trusted people who will help you shape each other's projects. Um, I think it's good experience. Certainly the industry, I think, is doing well right now. Um, with the opening of Troy Studios in Limerick. Mm -hmm. I think locally for Munster, that's going to be very good. I was there last week visiting, visiting, getting a tour. They're expecting a big night flyer in. That's our, our Martin, mm -hmm. Game of Thrones writer it's coming in. And yeah, yeah. It's a pilot, even though it's for TV, but they're all mini films. When you think mm -hmm. of it, you know, they're, they're standalone, they're mini films. Yeah. So they're hoping that that's going to lift the area up and offer opportunity to people in, in the Munster area to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're going to work in tandem with UL and the different schools to sort of offer more courses. Yeah. So therefore, I think any experience you can get, you get. And then if you're talking about creating your own work, obviously that is good too because then you can control it and you can shape it and you can take as many years as you need to. I think if, if, any way in. Anyway, in to get in and to get immersed in it, so you can develop it and get ideas and support. Um, and going back to your initial question, should they be thinking big or small? Um, you know, they have to test the waters and get support to see if um, if them if it's commercial enough, mm -hmm. or if it's niche enough, or if it's you know Irish heritage enough. Test the waters and and, and share it with other people. Um, Big or small, the bigger, the bigger the budget, the bigger, you know, so the bigger the commitment. So, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew unless you have a really good team. And if you have an executive producer or producer is going to mentor you, well, then you have a better chance of doing something bigger. But if you want something just to showcase your work and add to your portfolio, well, then do something sort of manageable. Yeah, okay. Sometimes where you get the script doesn't determine the size of the, of the film. You know, I've seen 40-page scripts end up being multi-multi-million pound films. Um, and you say, should they write what they know or should they go bigger? Sometimes what they know can make a very, very big film. It depends who picks it up and where they take it. Right. So that same, you know, that same 85 or 90 pages could be a, a small, low-budget indie shot film or somebody might see something in it and decide to put you know, real big A-list talent in there and make it a huge film. So that I think they should still write. They should write with a passion of what they know. And then whether that becomes a big or a small picture is really where is when it gets picked up, whether somebody takes it on. And could you tell us a bit about, say, uh, the climate in the UK for you know emerging talent and that kind of thing, um, and how it might compare it to Ireland? I don't think anything really changes. It's um, uh, I've had this conversation with a few people this weekend, and if you know what you want and you. It's not whether you go for it, it's when you give up. Right. And the people who get there are the ones that didn't give up before they got there. Yeah. You know, we can all set off on the same journey, but after some people, two failed projects is enough and they'll go get you know, a job washing cars. Other people say, no, I'm going to go three, I'm going to go four, I'm going to go five. And eventually, eventually, if you're good enough and if the story's good enough and if you stick with it, you'll eventually get there. So just don't give up. Think, it's the same in all. I think it's the same. I think it's the same in the US, the UK. Yeah. Probably the same in the Irish market as well. Yeah. yeah. I think the idea is right. It's the concept. It's it's really it could be could it be big or small? It could be depending on who who picks it up. But it's write the great story and workshop it, mm -hmm. because a lot of great films have come from many st stories, articles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. ma major mo motion pictures have come from articles and magazines. From so a that, song. 
Yeah. A whole film from a three minute song. Yeah, so I think it is, <laughs> but it's that song or that article that had such a good idea. Mm. So it goes back to the concept, the idea. Once you have that, then you workshop it, you introduce it to different people. Could it go big? It could maybe. Or could it go small? Maybe it should stay small. Maybe it should stay indie. But it's really that, that idea and getting in front of people that you <clears throat> admire and trust, yeah, getting you, feedback. I was always told don't consider production when you're writing. Because if you, if you want to put four helicopters carrying elephants and you start thinking, well, we can't afford that, that's too big. You just changed where your ideas were going. Write your idea without consideration of what the budget would be. Mm. And then a good producer is going to be able to take that off the page and make it happen. And put his arm around you and say, we're not going to use helicopters, however... Skateboards work in this one, or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you try and think of budget and the size of it when you're writing, it's going to affect what you write. Just get it out of you. Just get it out. Get the yeah, story. Yeah. The, the story, as Maura said, the story is everything. Nobody's. You spend a hundred million on it, and if the story is no good, then people leave before the end. You've got to you've got to follow the story. Uh, there seems to be a common uh, uh, thread throughout all our other podcasts. And I'll just ask you all briefly, if I can, just so we can finish up. Um, I know you have other places to be. Um, I'll just ask both of, uh, all of you uh, how very quickly you all deal with rejection, because that's a huge part of everybody's career. But, um, um, it, it's. I think you've got to be prepared for it. I think you've got to. You've got to. If it comes as a surprise then you're going to live with it badly. But you have to know that, you know, there's not, there's, there's five of us around this table, we're all wearing different types of clothes, different types of shoes, probably drink different drinks. To assume that everybody is going to love your baby, you're suffering from some kind of delusion. So you need to know that not everybody's going to love it. And when somebody rejects it, it doesn't mean it's a bad story, it's a bad script, or it's a bad film. Okay. It means that person, it's not right for that person. I think you really need to know, when you're pitching a project, you really need to pitch it to the right place, look at their pipeline, look at where they're going so that it fits. Mm -hmm. Because if you pitch an idea that to, to a film studio, they're totally, they're into fantasy adventure, and yours is completely different, it's not going to work for them. They're not going to want it. So the rejection is basically, you didn't do your homework. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. we've never do this kind of film. It's not what we do. So it doesn't mean your idea isn't good. Mm -hmm. It means it wasn't right for them. So, so that's a key thing is to do your homework because I've talked to so many network executives and they just get really annoyed when people come in and, and like the storyline has like the, it's not what they do and it's like they didn't do their homework yeah. and it's like out but if you can get in and engage with a network executive I mean that's gold even though they may not want it if they give you feedback that can be just as valuable that is fantastic you want the notes and the yeah. notes might say like 50% of it is like, I wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. And it's like, okay, let me see, let me think. Well, okay, maybe I should change it. But just getting the feedback mm -hmm. from people in the industry who, see, who know more than you do when they know the different trends and what's going on around, if you can get them to even give you their time to give you feedback, it's golden. So there's no negatives if you do your homework. If you do your homework mm -hmm. and realize that you may not be going. And, that, you know, we pitch. I work with a colleague, and we, we, we come up with that concept, and we pitch ideas, and we get into the networks and studios. We kind of do our homework. You go in with an agent. And you you want to engage and get feedback. Um, but sometimes it's, 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 just, it's just not right. Um, and then you walk away and say, okay. Sometimes they say, well, just practice the pitch. Just go and mm -hmm. practice your pitch. 
that's not right to do that because then it's like you can practice your pitch but going in there it doesn't work then you're pissing that person off mm -hmm. you may not be able to get back in with a project that fits yeah. and I was always of the mind it's practice the pitch it's good for us to practice the pitch you know you really gotta do your homework yeah okay I like <laughs> yeah, all of that. Um, yeah, I, I like. I find. I like. The thing is, when when you are rejected, it it is. It can be devastating. Like I, I personally, I find it. I find it really hits me. I take it personally, <laughs> and I go, I go ah, and especially if you do all the research and all that, and yeah, you do. I and uh, uh, and also like if you have a family or whatever, and you're depending on this, this. I mean, this could you could be waiting four months for a reply. <laughs> And then it comes in and it says, unfortunately, blah, blah, blah. And you just, it's like the end of the world. It is for me for about two days, if yeah. not longer. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then there's that inner chubba-wumba starts playing. And, you know, and it's, you know, I get knocked out, I get back up. Yeah. And, and, and then you kind, of, you kind of, and then you learn from it. And, and you hopefully don't make the same mistakes. But yeah, it definitely hits me like a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. being honest. And if you're not bruised by it. You know, you're probably not passionate about the project. So yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you get feedback from them why they didn't like Some, it? Sometimes you do, and that's great because then you can really learn. Um, and and even even when they do, sometimes and you disagree with it, you again, I personally, I'm like, ah, oh, why? How can you not see this? This is amazing. Blah blah. Yeah. And most filmmakers are quite narcissistic, <laughs> self included. Yeah. Uh, so you're, uh, and then and then you realise, hold on a second, these guys are just doing their best, and they're, as you said, they've all got different tastes. And maybe I didn't do the homework, as you said, and uh, you know, and then you just you pick yourself up and you start again. But you, you also just, you just mentioned your inner chumba wumba then. <laughs> <laughs> that, that so you give us a verse. You give us a verse. Yeah, they're from my hometown, and they used to play on the same circuit as my band used to play on. And we gave up and got proper, proper jobs because we needed to eat. If they didn't, they stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it. And I know their producer, wow. um, they stuck at it. And eventually, they floated up with that huge, we took them with that huge song. Yeah. Um, you know, they made it, like I mentioned, it just absolute dogged determination. They knew that they were good. They just needed to make find the, the one person who could actually hold their hand and take them there. Yeah. Um, so I you just got to stick at it. So if rejection knocks you down, it's got to be for two days. Yeah. Because otherwise you'd go get a job, you know, serving fish and chips. And yeah. I had it yesterday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very raw subject for me. <laughs> so, yeah, get knocked, knocked down. Lots of times of Washington say, get knocked down seven, get back up eight, always. And that's the mindset going yeah, forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, so, listen, thanks a million for taking the time out to have a chat with us. Uh, Paul, you. have you anything to add? Yeah, no, I wasn't expecting to have a chumbo one anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you did. It's fine. It's perfect. Great. Okay, so uh, yeah, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the festival and good luck, uh, good luck tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.